Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. The Packers are back and going to make a deep playoff run. Rodgers is headed to Peru on the bye week for an ayahuasca trip, and he found his number one receiver in Watson. Go Pack, go. Let's get started with a review of the markets. Today is Tuesday, December 6th. March 23 corn closed down three and a quarter cents at 637 and a quarter. And January 23 soybeans closed up 17 and a quarter cents at 1455. Turning to our guest, this week, it's our privilege to have Jake Kingsley, Director of Feed Procurement for EverAg. Thanks for joining us today, Jake. Thank you for having me, Britt. I'm excited to be on. Jake is the star of the grain feed, so certainly feel free to check that out. Jake, it's been an exciting week already in the commodity complex. We've got corn trading down to lows we haven't seen since July. Soybeans find great strength from I don't know where. Soybean meal is off to new contract highs. Soybean oil is crashing. Jake, what's going on today in the markets? Well, you said it, quite a bit of excitement here, Britt. Trying to figure out this soy complex and what's going on over there. Quite a little bit of a a conundrum on that side. but, But looking at the corn market here, we've set some new, what are we, three-month or 100-day lows almost here. That's been a pretty good little buying opportunity for a lot of our dairy clients over here. Maybe not what you love to see as a, as a corn producer, but I think, it's, I think it's really just going back and testing out some of the transitional numbers that we saw back there in late August before we really jumped up into the high six, low seven dollar territory there ahead of harvest. Best I can figure is, of course, we've had some pretty slow export numbers out of the U.S. here. Ethanol's cooled off a little bit with crude finding some lower ranges here in the last few days. And then I think probably the bigger one is going to be South America kind of wrapping up their planting period down there. They had some moderately good weather, and of course, they're expected to have some very good production weather pending. And I think all of those things kind of stacking up has finally put a little bit of pressure on this thing to close out the 2022 calendar year. Yeah, you mentioned South America. And I think as we think about South America, naturally, we start thinking about the soybean complex and all of the wild activity that we saw this week there. Can you shed some light on maybe what's going on in this three-way play between soybeans and soybean oil and soybean meal? Yeah. So again, they're kind of wrapping up their planting period down there. And and maybe the soybean meal piece is a reaction to the maybe drier than comfortable conditions in Argentina. I think Brazil's in pretty good shape, but Argentina's maybe a little drier than we'd like them to be. And so them being the largest exporter of meal in the world, of course, that's going to have an effect on on that market there. And we're seeing that play out dramatically here the last couple of days. And so I think maybe a little bit of a supply concern there. The U.S. government came out with some of their better details on this renewable diesel initiative, indicating that there will be 
a little greater inclusion of other veg oils outside of just soy oil, which kind of took a shot at the soy oil market there. We saw that thing drift quite a bit lower here in response to that, I think. And so that puts a little more of the weight for profitability at these crush plants back into the meal bucket. And then on top of that, I think we're seeing just the global protein balance sheet is is stable, but still a, a little bit lean there. Um, and if China comes back online, started starts to ease these COVID restrictions in a meaningful way, and their economy starts to ramp up, and and they start to consume that a little bit, I I think there's a little bit of a hedge going on with all of those things. But then if you also look at the last really nine or ten months of the soybean meal chart starting back in February or so. You could really see it on the December and the January charts. Other than April and September, we saw this, what I would expect is a funds-driven rally towards the end of the month and into the start of the new month each uh, every 30 days. And then over the course of the middle of the month, it kind of drifts lower back down into the $400 range. I wonder if we're not seeing that play out in a little bit wider range, more dramatic fashion here as well in response to a couple of those other things I had mentioned. And maybe the funds are just overdriving this thing a little bit. Fundamentally, things haven't changed too much in the last week or 10 days or month or here in quite a while. So it's hard to justify seeing meal up here at the 440 type of range on on the March contract. And I kind of wonder if it if it might be a little bit short-lived and play out like it had in quite a few of the months here over the last year and drift back down towards that 400 mark over the next couple of days and weeks. Well, we certainly know buyers of protein would love to see this market fade back towards that $400 a ton area. And soybean sellers are still ecstatic as we've got old crop beans you know, maintaining a position north of $14, being capped a bit by 15 Shifting gears a little bit away from the corn and soybean market, but to something that still has a big impact on our marketplace is rail transportation. There's been a lot of buzz in the industry lately around the possibility of a strike and was hoping you could give us an update on what's going on in that arena. So we saw the headline, I think, last week where the House of Representatives passed some some preemptive measures, and then it was quickly passed by Senate as well to kind of uh, prevent a strike. The deadline is Friday, December 9th, so we're not there yet. I'm not sure exactly how the details all shake out, but some preventative measures in place kind of let everybody breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. I think we saw that just a splash in basis. And so we saw just a little softer basis here last week. I think some of the concerns over this rail market have been relieved, but at the end of the day, they still have a lot of folks left to hire to really get us back to normal run times and and the crude market has slipped some, but at the end of the day, we're still up here at $75, $80. That keeps fuel expensive and that keeps demand for, for crude moving on the rail lines right there in the mix. And so I think spot rail values are going to remain somewhat firm for a little while here. Looking at it, it looks like you get out into the 
first of the year or so, and numbers are relatively tame, but the spot market's still got a a little bit of a firmer tone to it. It's definitely better than it had been back in the summer and and harvest time frame when we were at peak rates, but spot values still carry a bit of a premium. Jake, before we let you go, just interested in your perspective, you generally work with clients who are buyers of, of corn. And we've seen some really wild basis values on that side of the table. What are you looking at as far as basis as we move into the spring and summer? Unfortunately for our clients, as you said, on the buy side here, I don't know that it improves a whole lot, particularly on corn. We saw some good values early on in canola and some relatively average or just a little higher than average numbers on soybean meal. So we were patient there. I think there may be some opportunity if we get some good bean numbers out of South America here in the next couple months. But on the corn side, it's been historically firm for this time of year, and I don't anticipate it getting a whole lot better because at the end of the day, our balance sheet is fairly lean, probably one of what our third or fourth skinniest stocks to use ratio on the charts there. And the people that are suffering the most are on the rail dependent markets there, the Californias, the Arizona, Texas, Florida, those guys that have to rail this stuff a long way from the Western and Southern fringes of the corn belt. They're the ones paying the big premiums because those are the areas that suffered the lower yields due to drought here this past crop year. And so they're having to pull from further within the interior of the corn belt, which increases your freight. And you're now competing for fewer bushels in your normal area with more demand. Um, And so we've seen firm numbers since offers really hit the table back in April or so, and they haven't softened much, if at all. In fact, some areas have in the last 30 days or so started to jump up as harvest kind of wrapped and we define that crop. And I would suspect barring just a dramatic decrease in ethanol demand, which again, crude's going to keep that somewhat steady to an extent, or China and other buyers just completely going cold on our export market. Without those two things happening, I think we can expect this thing to remain firm and likely grind higher throughout the crop year until we get another crop off in fall of 23. Thanks for your insight on that, Jake. It's always interesting to hear what it sounds like from the other side of the table, and I think really can give us some good insight into what this basis market may give us by way of opportunity for sellers of corn. I think that's all we've got. Jake, thanks for joining us today. It was a real pleasure having you on. Thank you for your insights. And if you'd like to hear more insights from Jake, please check out the Grain Feed brought to you every week by the EverAg Insights crew, the same crew that makes this show possible. Thank you to Corey Romero, our producer, and Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's production. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to our podcast, or feel free to give us a like or share us with a friend.